the Get Real Indie Filmcast with Jeffrey Michael Bays and Forrest Day Jr. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 21. You can tweet us if you have any feedback at all. On the show today, it's uh, a little bit different. We are going to delve into the filmmaking style of Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. From this book, Tough Ain't Enough. New perspectives on the films of Clint Eastwood. Uh, this is going to be very interesting, uh, very academic in some ways, raising some interesting issues mm-hmm. relevant to today and how filmmakers should be judged or how any artist should be judged based on their personal life. Can we separate the art from the man? <laughs> right, and that's happening with Hitchcock now and it's, it's happening with... Yeah. Lots of people. I just think when you look at a movie from the 70s or, or from the 60s, things were different back then. And, I'm oh, God, you know, people will hate me for this. But, uh, you know, when some people say things about, you know, Clint, like he, he didn't respect women uh, because, you know, a, a actor in the film was portrayed a certain way. Well, you know, back in the day of Westerns, Westerns were Westerns. They, they don't, you know, they're made different. I think we've gone in a bad direction with some movies. Um, they're so PC down now. Um, uh, I haven't seen the new Grinch, but I heard that's like the Grinch is like a great guy. In <laughs> what? It. I well, hear me oh, out okay. here. You know, they made okay. the Grinch a nice guy. Now, when you hear he's such <laughs> a Grinch, what do you think about? Yeah. Oh, he's a nice guy. I didn't see the movie, <laughs> um, but I'm just telling you, we had a conversation about it at work today. People are looking like, oh, it's terrible. And it's like saying the Grinch is a terrible person. Well, yeah. Yeah, he's the Grinch. <laughs> you know, now you're taking something nowadays and, you know, oh, we got to make the Grinch nice. You know, we don't, we don't want <laughs> so kids to think their tree is going to get stolen. Oh, oh wow. it angers me. So you're thinking that, that at some point we will not be able to have villains. No, movies. Exactly. Clint Eastwood will not exist because, well, he shot a guy in that movie. Uh, you know, it drives me insane. I'm sorry, and I know people are probably swearing at me right now. Uh, but uh, no, I, I just, you know, I mean, I, I try to be a realist about it. You know, it's interesting to look back at films. And yes, there are things that you look back into the 30s and 40s with some of this stuff, and you're like, oh, my God. But you got to remember the way people were, you know, we learn as hopefully we learn as humans. I think personally, I think people are meaner now than ever uh, to each other, which is sad uh, because if you have a difference of opinion, people seem to get mad at you and uh, or angry, whatever the proper word is. But um, sounds like you're having a meltdown. <laughs> I am. I am. No, it's uh, it's actually very honest. Well, I hope we can. Uh... I hope we can get through this. Maybe interview. maybe Lester can explain it to me. Maybe uh, yes, we we should uh, we should bring Lester in. He's the author of Tough Ain't Enough: New Perspectives on the Film of Clint Eastwood. He's also no, he, uh, he's uh, he's the editor. He's the editor. Oh, it's that's a, right. It's because a, it's a compilation a, book. It's a collection of essays, various different academic essays. So, right. So, yeah. So, um, but Lester also he's he's written other books. He's written about Spielberg, Arthur Penn, Peter Pan, and Frankenstein. Interesting mix. Why do we got to hate monsters? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk to Lester D. Friedman uh, right after the break. And he's the author of Tough Ain't Enough, talking about Clint Eastwood today. 
That's one thing Alfred Hitchcock was really good at, creating suspense with a camera. For the last couple of years, I've been teaching Hitchcock suspense techniques at festivals like Buffalo, St. Louis, Palm Springs, Los Angeles. Filmmakers are learning easy tricks for building suspense that are so easy to implement. Now there's a way for you to get access in my new book, Suspense with a Camera. It's available in bookstores now. And don't miss our free docuseries on YouTube called Hitch 20. Thanks for being on the show today, Les. Oh, I appreciate the invitation, of course. Looking forward to a chat. Okay, let's talk about your book, Tough Ain't Enough, uh, New Perspectives on the Films of Clint Eastwood. And what can the indie filmmaker get from it? Well, I think you can learn a lot from how Clint works. I mean, like his friend Steven Spielberg, one of the things he's done is he's created a family of filmmakers. So he works with the same guys over 20 years. And when they die, <laughs> he works with their assistant. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and so he, he works very quick, again, like Spielberg, very quickly. He can do setups. There's no phone around. He only does one or two takes. He thinks much more than that, and you run dry. And the other thing I, I think is a kind of bravery on his part. I mean, I don't know any other filmmaker of any level who would have done a two-hour black-and-white film, mostly in Japanese, looking at the heroism of the Japanese defenders of Iwo Jima. I mean, that's a lot of cojones to do something like that. Yeah, yes, it is. Because we as Americans see only our perspective and our point of view well, I think one of the things that I found when I was writing about Eastwood is what I would call at least a master theme. And he's been famous for so long. Mm -hmm. I think very few people have matched the longevity of his career. Maybe Spielberg. One of the things almost all his best films are about are what's behind the fame. What's behind the... Now, it can be the Four Seasons mm -hmm. when he does it, or it can be... Uh, the Soldiers on Iwo Jima, it can be Josie Wales, it can be the American Sniper. Mm -hmm. He's very, very interested in how we create celebrity and how the people live with celebrity and fame. And it can rot them. It can really destroy them as well as, you know, elevate them to a level. The introduction I write is, and I wrote about the military films too. In the introduction, I ask, and this is a very pertinent question, I think, for us in terms of the age we live in now in particular. How do we judge a work of art made by someone whose politics or actions we don't agree with anymore? Mm -hmm. I mean, and in the book, I talk about Woody Allen. Can anybody see Manhattan anymore, which is a great film, without thinking of the charges leveled against Woody Allen? 
I mean, I was just watching this series uh, called Genius about Picasso. I mean, what a bastard he was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in particular to women, um, do, does that mean we don't look at Guernica? I mean, how does this play? I think this is a very tricky question. How much does what we know about the artist away from the art factor into what we think about the art? Or you can put it like Yates put it. How do you tell the dancer from the dance? I mean, or, or are they one? And um, in the world of, of Me Too and, 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 you know, sexual harassment in the Weinstein era, this becomes even more difficult. Louis C.K. just can't try to come back, right? Mm-hmm. And just ignited a firestorm. So is there a statue of limitations on actions like that that he freely admits he did mm-hmm. and so with Eastwood it's not that though certainly you know he's had his issues with women mm-hmm. but issue for me was politics yep and, you know and what about what's happening now how will 20 years from now it be viewed you know things that are totally acceptable to us and to people who do not accept some of the things from the past, some of the things that we all do now will not be accepted in the future that we think nothing of. And and you see it in everything like old time radio. I listen to a lot of old time radio and some of it is just wouldn't pass. Um, it's racist for today. Yes. Yeah, it's racist. Um, you know, very uh, demeaning. Some of them are, you know, like demeaning to women, you know, some of the detectives call their helpers, you know, honey and sweetheart. That's, you just don't do that nowadays. Um, no, I never did it anyhow, but I, I, you I, know. Neither. I, I, but I did read an essay which drove me over the edge. And yet it's, you know, you have to think about it. How many romantic comedies mm-hmm. like anything are, are really basically stalking films mm-hmm. where the, 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 the love, the guy stalks the girl until she finally admits that yes, he's the one. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, so yeah, interesting. Come on, eventually you have to sit in your room and you know. I was just going to say watch Chaplin, but you probably can't even do that, no. knowing him, knowing his background, you know, in young girls, and now in our age, for us in particular, we know everything. Yeah, I mean, there's 24 hours news cycle. So where the MGM public relations people could have covered up Rock Hudson's homosexuality. Not today, I don't think. Though there are things we don't know, I'm sure, that we'll find out about George Clooney 20 years from now. Yes, and a lot of things that were taboo, uh, like Rock Hudson's homosexuality, are just accepted nowadays, too. So Mm -hmm. uh, could you give us an overview of of Uh, the essays in the book? Let me say that I was surprised at some of the essays. They're not, like, along the line, some of them, of what everybody thinks Eastwood, like everybody, oh, I love Eastwood. Some of them didn't, and and I thought that was interesting. Some of them didn't. Well, the book's divided into two sections, and and thank you for asking. Um, The first section basically just deals with um, genre and the various genres that he made. Then the second section deals with various issues that cut across the genres. So, for example, we have Eastwood as actor, we have um, discussions of masculinity. Here's a guy who has grown old before our eyes, who was cheesecake 
for television in Rawhide and has become a senior citizen over the course of X amount of time. So we have issues of race and how he deals with it in his various films. We have, and this is something most casual moviegoers don't know, Eastwood does the musical score for most of his movies. And this is the first essay to really look at Eastwood as a serious composer. He actually talks about, in interview after interview, that the first concert he ever saw was Bird. Mm -hmm. He heard him play, and of course he came to make a, a movie about him. There's a discussion of his politics, and there's a discussion which has always sort of plagued Eastwood of violence. Mm-hmm. So how does Eastwood use violence? Where can people get the book? Well, um, they could come to my house and I'll sign it. Okay. No, <laughs> they want to come to Rochester. No, it's available on Amazon.com and uh, they can order it through Barnes & Noble. It's published by Rutgers University Press. And I, I did want to say, because I know our audience is essentially independent filmmakers and you and I discussed this a little bit off the air. Um, I have written two scripts that were made into films, uh, independent films that six people saw in a theater one night. <laughs> hey, but you made something. Uh, yes, we did. We did. One is, um, and these sound so dull, but they're not actually. One was about um, a really interesting psychiatrist called Thomas Zaz, who did not believe in mental illness. Hmm. and. We interviewed him. It was sort of documentary. The second one is called Prisoners of Freedom. And way up north, almost to the Canadian border in Oswego, there was the only relocation camp for Jews during World War II. Hmm. And so we actually found the survivors of those camps. And, and, and when I say camps, don't get me wrong. These were not concentration camps. These were... Uh, camp, relocation camps. But of course, they wanted to send the people back once the war was over. But in any case, it was it, it was at the, the um, urging of Eleanor Roosevelt that they set up this camp. So we actually did a reenactment of the camp, and then we showed the reenactment to the people who had been in the camp mm-hmm. and filmed their responses to seeing the camp. And of course, there was all sorts of, you got that wrong. You know, no, that wasn't there. That was over there. Uh, And, you know, all of that stuff. And, and so that, so I, you know, I had an experience twice of what it was like to work with an independent filmmaker. His name is Owen Shapiro. He's the chairman of the film program at Syracuse university. And uh, it's a labor of love. I and you're just cajoling people to do stuff, you know, all the time out of the goodness of their heart and you stop and then you raise more money and you, it's a wonder it ever gets made. Um, it really is. It is truly a labor of love and it just takes, you know, so much commitment to a project to be able to do that. I'm, I mean, when I write a book, If I sit down in front of my computer, I mean, if I'm going to write it, I'm going to write it. Nobody's going to stop me. I don't have to check with anybody. If it's a piece of garbage, I stop. Mm -hmm. You know, boy, but that to assemble a community of people willing to work with you uh, is amazing. And of course, as the screenwriter, I can say with absolute clarity, 
the director ruined my screenplay. (laughs) (laughs) If all it ever hears this, he'll uh, he'll go crazy. No, he didn't. He was very good. Okay. Hopefully he'll stay your friend. (laughs) He is is my friend for a long time. Oh, good. (laughs) But all of you independent filmmakers out there, I must say I have great admiration for you and what you do. All right, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. We want to thank Lester D. Friedman for joining us today, author of Tough Ain't Enough, New Perspectives on the Films of Clint Eastwood. And I want to thank all of the guests that we've had in 2018. John Tregonis, Morgan Sandler, John Rhodes, Mara Lessman, Ken Lee, Michael Laskin, Steve Kaplan, Fran Jago, Joshua Friedman, Kathy Fong-Yoneda, Rona Edwards, Jennifer Dornbush, William Dickerson, Houston Coley, Sean Cannell, Diane Bell, Barbara Multerwellen, and all the folks at Dreamscape, Michael Ola, Eric Black, and Amanda Heilman. That's our last episode of the year. We'll be back in 2019 with more on indie filmmaking from Get Real. The Get Real Indie Filmcast is a production of Borges Networks 2018.